HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. Hey, thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. This is Katie, HRN Executive Director, and I'm so excited to share with you our coverage from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We are here live today at Charleston Wine and Food. Join us as we talk all things food. Come to Charleston, eat some seafood. Eat all of the seafood. Chicken fried chicken with chorizo steak and salsa verde mashed potatoes. So quintessentially like Southern fare at its finest. And have important conversations. We're also talking about professional women in restaurants and how underrepresented they are. People of color in restaurants and how they're not talked about. We get real with Food Network's Manit Chohan. Balance is BS. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was yeah, I was told that uh, I wasn't going to be bleeped out. And find out about raising sugarcane with Chef Sean Brock. It's like being Indiana Jones or something. You never know what you're going to find. You'll come away inspired by the power of food and the food scene in Charleston. Here's Dr. Jessica B. Harris. Food is constantly in flux. Food is always moving. Food is the only real lingua franca that we have that allows us to connect with other folks. So tune in to Heritage Radio Network on tour at heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You can't go wrong. Tech and food. Coming up on this episode of Tech Bites. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 150 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. Today, they are tuning into Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk about food and technology. And today, we have a very special episode. This episode is not live in the studio, it is a recording of a General Assembly panel back in January of 2018. It was a part of their tech and food series. I moderated a panel with three women CEO and founders. We talked with Cheryl Clements, CEO and founder of Pie Shell, Crystal Mobayani, CEO and co-founder of Bento Box, Deepti Sharma, CEO and founder of Food to Eat, 
We talked to them over the course of about an hour and a half with some nice Q&A by the audience at the end about their origin stories, their pivots, their fundraising, and what they see for the future. It was such a great long conversation that we decided to chop it into two pieces, part one on this episode, part two next week, so that you can hear everything just like you were there in real life. So here it is, General Assembly, Tech and Food, part one. So, um, without further ado, I'll introduce everyone. I made notes so I wouldn't forget. Sitting next to me, we have Cheryl Clements. Her company is called Pie Shell. It's crowdfunding, but specifically for food-related companies. Next to her is Deepti Sharma. Her company is Food to Eat. And I would describe it as a source for catering for enterprise and work environments where she is connecting um, small immigrant ethnic food companies to larger companies for their catering and food needs. Is that a good description? Okay. And then next we have Crystal Mobayani, who is the founder of a company called Bento Box, which is websites and software platform for restaurants. So what I would love to do to start is for each of you um, just to tell us when you started your company, in a nutshell, what the um, inspiration was for it, and um, if today you have a pivot at some point. Hi, um, I'm Cheryl Clements. Uh, rumor has it this one's longer, so if you're having trouble hearing me, just let me know. Um, I'm super. Thanks so much for coming, and we're super excited to be here. So um, Pie Shell um, started life as uh, about four years ago I came up with the idea. It is a today a reward-based crowdfunding site for anything food or beverage focused, so anything with that lean, whether you're a packaged good or a restaurant. And it came from the fact that I just wanted to do something different with my life. I wanted to um, use my talents for good and not evil. I had been an IT consultant. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious there's a lot of women in tech up here. So that wasn't something I knew was, an, was difficult. So I wanted to do something different. I thought of crowdfunding a food product and realized that they were failing miserably on the sites that are there now because food is very different than tech. No one's getting up at three o'clock in the morning to buy a granola and support that. And so we had to you know, figure out why they were doing that. So we launched a site that was very vanilla. And so to your point, what we found is when we did that, that didn't work. You know, just standing something up that was very similar to Kickstarter and Indiegogo, you know, where they have a 75% failure rate, we were seeing similar things. And so we used that year to find out exactly what was wrong, took the site down, retooled, brought in our advisors, you know, really focused it, had a lot of focus groups, and relaunched in October of 2016. We renamed it as well. It used to be called Fun to Feast, and now we're called Pie Shell, which was the name of my mom's first company where we made 10,000 pies a year out of the basement of our house. And, uh, but it just really, it, it really went with what we wanted it to be, supportive and foundational, and we're not the most important thing. You are, and 
finding that sweet spot for food and why people get into food was what was really important. And since we've launched, we've had a 100% success rate and we're over the moon excited. And we've got wonderful partnerships with Fortune 500 companies and phenomenal opportunities like this. And so, you know, really finding out what people were looking for and then making it do that so that it didn't work for what I thought you'd need, but it really worked for what you need. That's, uh, that helped us with our pivot. So that's what we're up to. And you just finished your... I, yes, I'm all in with crowdfunding. Um, what Jennifer's alluding to is that I started life on GoFundMe. I uh, asked for 10, I made 13, and then I just did equity crowdfunding and raised over 370000 on on an equity platform. And we actually will bring equity onto our platform as well. And so we're really excited. We're going to be hiring social. We've got a marketing company out of London now and our CTO. And we were actually very proud. We were just accepted at the super secret uh, WeWork incubator called Area 51. And so we were just accepted in there. Uh, yeah, Area 51, isn't that the best? Um, so so we're we're really, really proud of that, and they're going to be super supportive. And so we're not going to, we've got our CTO there, and we're going to really build out a great back end for everybody to really take it to the next level. Not a small update, too. Yeah. Well, no, it's, but it's, yeah. that's it. You know, every day it's something amazing. And so thanks. Yeah. Deepti. Hi, everyone. My name is Deepti. Uh, thank you for choosing this to be the event that you um, wanted to attend tonight. Uh, Hopefully we have something interesting to say, but I think we will. Um, I started a company called Food to Eat about six years ago. Uh, I, it started off as an online ordering platform uh, for food trucks. And the reason why I started was I'm a native New Yorker. I was waiting online at, and you'll, figure, you'll find out why the native New Yorker part is really important. I was waiting online at a food truck, being the native New Yorker that I am. I'm impatient, don't want to wait around. Um, and I realized that I waited 20 minutes for a peanut butter cookie. Um, which in New York, you can find a really good one, a good one right around the corner. Um, so I said, okay, I just wasted my time. What am I doing here? There's got to be a better way to access this food truck. Um, instead of saying I need to start a company, what I did was I just started talking to a lot of the food cart and truck owners of New York City. And what I learned was a lot of them were immigrants. Um, a lot of them uh, didn't come from business backgrounds, but just wanted this to be a means to make money. Um, so through these conversations, what I wanted to do was create something that would actually help them leverage technology in order to increase and scale their businesses. Um, you see, you know, even today when you walk down the street, you'll see a lot of halal carts and they don't actually market themselves. They just say halal cart. They all have the same stock images of falafel and the chicken and rice. And you, when you actually think about it and if you actually go to each and one and every one of them, they're so different than the next, right? Their falafel is different. What they serve with their falafel, one will serve eggplant. And I said to them, why don't you market yourselves? Why don't you call yourself something other than halal cart so that I know the real halal guys is on 53rd and 6th and not on 50, you know, on the northwest corner as opposed to the southwest corner. Um, but if you, you know, market yourself differently. And, and these are things that are so obvious to people that have gone to college or have had some kind of business degrees or backgrounds. Um, and so I started Food to Eat and I said, well, here's one way that I can help you. I can create a website where people can pre-order, prepay, um, and pre, you know, and, and so this will help you understand that uh, people are interested in your product, you can market yourself, and another means for people to access you so they're not waiting 20 minutes for this peanut butter cookie like I did. Um, through one reason or the other, which I won't get into because I can talk about it for days, we pivoted, pivoted into what we're doing today. Um, but the mission was strong, uh, which is to 
to help the food community use current technology, grow and scale their businesses, and help their bottom lines, which is the most important thing you can do for any small business. Um, so Food Tea today, we are a corporate catering concierge service where we partner with over 150 um, local food vendors that are immigrant women, minority-owned um, businesses, and they are anything from a food truck to a restaurant to a traditional caterer. We essentially become their catering um, partners, and we sell their catering services to large corporations. So our clients are clients like General Assembly, um, clients like Microsoft, eBay, Droga5, and the idea is we want to diversify what kind of food that is going into these corporations. We don't want them to just rely on food service companies like Aramark or Sodexo, but to say that if we want authentic Greek food, we're going to get it from a person who actually knows what they're um, cooking and what they're making. Um, so to our core, our mission is most important, helping these um, amazing immigrant women and minority-owned businesses grow and scale and essentially just help their bottom line, right? At the end of the day, what they need is um, skill sets, to learn how to grow their businesses, but also increase their revenue. And so we've become a source of that. Crystal? I'm Crystal. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Bento Box, and also very glad to be here. Um, Bento Box is a platform for restaurants to really extend their business online. And um, I first became... Um, familiar with the frustrations that restaurants were feeling online um, as I started working with them as a, as a web designer, web developer. I've been doing that my entire career. I worked at a bunch of agencies in New York and then started um, my own kind of consultancy boutique agency. And yeah, <laughs> and then I had in my, um, my head that I wanted to find ways to really just scale the services that I was providing and thought a lot about a lot of really self-fulfilling type of ideas like a music app or like a designer app or something. But, um, but so I was, I was looking at everything through that lens during that time. This was like around 2013. And I um, was working on a, really a website for um, a restaurant here in New York and just became really intimately acquainted with the frustrations that they had online. Um, and a big part of it came from the fact that as technology had become more important in the past decade, all of these third-party systems like Seamless and OpenTable and Yelp had come in and provided this technology, but also taken away that relationship with their guests, which was so important in hospitality. And, it, and they really struggled because of it, and it affected their business and affected their revenues. Um, and they were really trying to regain a lot of that control. And... As a service provider, the tools that existed, like Squarespace, WordPress, um, they really fell short of like being able to uh, for me to be able to use those products to fulfill their needs. And it was it would have been extremely expensive and cumbersome to do that. Um, so it became really it was actually easier at that time to just build a platform from from scratch that really addressed everything that these restaurants needed. Um, and that was uh, really how the company started back in late 2013 and I ran it on my own for about a year and a half and um, got the first 50 restaurants on board and um, I was really lucky to work with some of the I would say arguably the best restaurants in the world early on um, from like the Breslin to the Meatball Shop and Union Square Hospitality Group and um, just had a lot of empathy for what you know what what they did and I, I knew I could solve it um, and uh, 
And that spirit of providing different ways that restaurants could connect with their guests online um, really has carried through all the way through to today. Um, and websites is really like the first channel in that. Um, and uh, we've been able to make our product really sticky because into the website and the hospitality-focused CMS, we've layered these monetization channels. So we allow the restaurant to be able to make money on their website by selling gift cards, taking catering orders, taking private event requests, taking a deposit for that, selling tickets for New Year's Eve. All of these types of revenue are really high margin for the restaurant. So um, they've really been able to extend their business online. And I always say the same way the POS is the center of their brick and mortar property, Bento Box has become the center of their digital property, which arguably more people actually visit than step in, a step foot in the door. Um, so uh, I feel like we've been, it hasn't changed um, too much since we started in terms of what the like main goal and, and mission was, but it's continued to expand. We have um, nearly 2,000 restaurants all over the world on the platform. Um, we have a team of 50 down in Soho, so it's, it's, uh, it's great, living the dream. <laughs> wow, 50 people yeah. from you by yourself in 2013. That's amazing. That's, that's New York people. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. From papayas and samosas to reishi mushrooms, if it's something that sounds delicious, chances are you'll find the freshest, best version of it at Whole Foods Market. They have more than 400 stores across the country, so if you consider pizza its own food group or just can't imagine when avocado toast wasn't a thing, Whole Foods Market has you covered. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store near you. Whole Foods Market. Whatever makes you whole. One thing that I have remarked with each of you telling your stories is that in your own ways, each of your companies is actually providing a marketing service to a food business. Cheryl, you're providing a marketing service where there's you generating funding coming in. DT, you're providing marketing so they can connect with different types of consumers not just single consumers, but enterprise customers so they can be at scale. Crystal, you're providing marketing, you know, as the web presence, you know, the digital storefront, and then everything that, that transpires within it. Marketing is so critical today, not just in the restaurant world, in every world. Is technology really the, the answer, the only answer? Is it the requirement? Do you think of yourselves as being marketing companies? Because you kind of are in some ways. I mean, everyone told, everyone's story was about how I'm going to help you market yourself to the group of people you need to connect with to sell, raise money, get reservations. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I definitely think, um, you know, I was super fortunate. We had a couple articles written about us in the fall, and one was with HuffPost and one was this Inc.com, and the title was crowdfunding is actually crowd marketing um, because it, it really forces you to refine your story and your business and really hear what your customer wants. And then you reach out to them. Um, you might only get contributions from two, 300 people, which is wonderful, but thousands will have heard about you. I mean, just, you know, launching it on our platform. I mean, we, uh, when we put out the WeWork thing, you know, it was viewed by over 16,000 people on LinkedIn. And I was like, what? You know, it's crazy. But 
it's a phenomenal way, but but at the core, yes, you're marketing yourself, but what you're actually doing is building relationships. And that is the most critical thing that you can do is to get it, to be candid, get it, use the digital platform as a launch pad, use tech as a launch pad, but actually interact with those people, you know, reach out to them, keep them in the loop and, you know, and build that brand awareness because, you know, one of the things that you mentioned or raised on my behalf is that we did an equity crowdfunding. I have over 300 or 250 people that invested in PyShell and every single one of them is an ambassador for the brand. They want us to be successful. So they're out there talking about us and whether they're using our platform or they're telling two friends and they tell two friends and it it grows from that. So it we're definitely, you know, it's, it's probably, you know, we were joking dot, dot, dot and money, you know, so um, it's a huge proof of concept to crowdfund. It's a huge marketing play. Um, and then, of course, the end result is that you can get funding to really help you get to the next level. But some people use it exclusively to market themselves and figure if they wash just, you know, their cost to get a real project off the ground and actually whatever they raise, if it's a wash, they're happy. Um, so, you know, we've got Fortune 500 companies, the Clorox brand is going to be launching a project with us. They don't need the money. They want to reach millennials and Gen Xers. They're using it exclusively for the marketing benefits. So, you know, those are the types of things that you can use it for. Yeah, and it, even for us, I think what one of the most important things is the technology and the platform that we provide both the corporates and the vendors to, you know, um, consolidate their food ordering on the company side and for vendors, it's a place for them to track all the orders that we're giving them, to look at their invoices. But at the end of the day, the, the most important part about our service is the why, right? What we want to do is people often get busy into their, into their lives or cooking their foods. And what we say is talk about your why, talk about your story. And a lot of these people, these, um, I mean, I'll tell you like a fun story. I was um, getting coffee with my husband one day at a food cart and this guy, I'm sure most people don't end up talking to the person they're getting their coffee from, but if you're me, you do, um, just because I like talking to people and understanding their stories. Is this, is this why it takes 20 minutes? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is probably why it takes 20 minutes. This, this is why you're um, live for 20 minutes, because yeah. you're talking to the guy making Probably. Okay. Um, but the guy I was talking to, he actually created, he's selling coffee here in the United States, but he created um, the Afghan currency. Right, so it's it's so interesting that even if his coffee was just, I don't drink coffee, my husband does, but even if it was just uh, mediocre or average, the reason why I enjoyed going to him was to learn more about him, to understand who I was supporting and the family I was supporting. It was just more interesting, and that's what our companies love about what we do is the stories that we tell them behind their food. And I can go on about every one of almost every single one of our vendors I've met. And each and every one of them has an interesting, unique story. And that story is what makes it most interesting. It's not just breakfast tacos. This woman used to work at one of our clients, left that client to then start King David's uh, King David Tacos. And she did that to honor her father, but also because she missed Austin. So she created Austin style, uh, an Austin-style breakfast taco company here. And I think that is what people want for us. It's the why rather than the what. And so we do see ourselves... As a, as a marketing platform more than anything, just because the why is essential to every single business um, more than the what, because that's what people want. We want to connect to each other um, and feel like we're doing something other than just buying a product or a service. Yeah, I think that what that question made me think is like with technology, really, what isn't marketing anymore? Like it's, it's made everything marketing, like our phones are marketing, like just everything has become marketing. So it's become such an important part of everything that you do that I feel like the line is almost 
blurred in some ways to like what isn't marketing. Um, but I think, yeah, every, every, no matter what type of company it is, there is an underlying thing of helping businesses market themselves. And to your point also, I think technology has turned just about everything that we do into marketing. And if you are sitting in the audience and you're thinking about starting a business or you're thinking about applying for a job, you've already been marketing yourself to your potential employer and your potential customers for as long as you've had a Facebook account, an Instagram account, a Twitter account, and a LinkedIn account because you've been building your own brand marketing through those channels without even necessarily realizing it. When you think about developing your companies from today to the next year, and then can you even think as far as the next five years, technology changes so quickly, and, and the food world changes very quickly also. What, what are the next pieces? And when you think about evolving your company, do you think about it from a marketing point of view? Do you think about it from a technology point of view? Do you think about it from a how is my consumer, my customer base going to pivot? What's the, what, are the, what are the primary considerations when you, when you think about road mapping your plan forward? Uh, well, for us, uh, you know, we're, today we're reward-based and we're excited to bring equity on and then we, we will take it global. Um, we get requests from all around the world um, for our platform. So we definitely see a path, um, you know, of, of growing the company. And then, you know, we, we all hear of the wonderful world of the exit. And, and that's something that, you know, people joke with us, you know, because banks can't really help really early-stage companies. And, um, you know, Rabobank you know, joked and said, I'm looking forward to buying you in a couple of years. And I said, I'm looking forward to you paying them a lot of money for me in a couple of years. So, um, but you know, they, they understand that, you know, everybody in this room that has an idea of something that they want to do, that the difference between, you know, uh, a company actually happening and the difference between a dream and a goal is just a timeline. And so, you know, we absolutely put that stake in the ground and we, we want to grow and we want to be there. But what, the most critical thing to me that I want to bring to Pyshell is that I was an independent consultant for many, many years, and I took incredible pride in my name and what we say, you know, what I said meaning something. So, like, if I referred someone, you know, else in the IT space or another consultant, people would typically take it, you know, if I said that's a good person, then they believe that. And that's something that we actually take great pride in. We work really hard to find phenomenal resources. We've got people here that we've met at ICC and friends just in this audience. And it's wonderful for us that when we work with someone, that when we say, hey, these are resources for you, you know, that when you raise this money, this is what you're going to do. That community is paramount to us. Um, I had a startup chocolate company that just went to Fancy. I sent him with someone who is one of our advisors who helped launch the largest private label in the world, Grocery. I hooked him up with, um, you know, a wonderful packaging guy out of San Francisco, and he came and saw me at WeWork today, and he said, I don't know how to thank you. It was such a gift. And I'm like, that is the very least of what we can do. And so it's truly just building that community so that people know they've got a safe place to come and that you're not alone. Because we always say once you've come to Pyshell and you're a Pyshelller, you're no longer alone. You're part of the family. Because um, we're all right there. We're just probably there a day before you. So, Well, how do you scale something that's so personal then is my devil's advocate question or my devil's accountant, investor, advisor question. Yeah, well, it's, this, that it's sounds wonderful. Yeah. And it sounds wonderful, Deep T, that you know the backstory to every single one of your vendors. And 
I'm sure Crystal's probably had a hand in most of the websites, but how do you scale a personal touch when you run out of minutes in the day? Eventually you will, especially if you become a global company. No, absolutely. And it, it doesn't, what we want to do is we want to make sure that it doesn't need to be me because that's one of the things. We have a, a, I've got a phenomenal marketing company that we just engaged that's actually out of London and they're called Brand Love. And their number one focus is that, you know, as much as we try and say we don't like brands, we, we do. We have those brands that we love and that we will, you know, live and die for. And that's what we want to be so that when they come and they go to our new resources page and when they see that we connect all of the founders of all the projects to actually help one another, you know, they're not actually going to need me. They're really going to be able to truly help one another. And that's where the technology just makes it easier. I mean, I often say that I'm like the laziest person in the world. People call me efficient. I'm like, you can call it whatever you want. I don't want to do it 10 times. I want to do it right the first time. And that's what we want, the platform to really help them get where they need to go and truly, you know, if this is an asset they've got, they can put it out there and they're going to get that support from the community that we're inherently building into that platform. So you're going to use technology to create a community and then plug in expertise and systems so that you can scale what you do personally and have people almost do it for each other within, within your community. Correct. DT, yeah. how do you see scaling your personal so, touch? So for us, it's been um, the team that you hire. And, and so being critical about who you're bringing on and making sure that they see that mission to be important to themselves as well. Um, so I can't say now that I know every single one of those stories, but to the ones that I sold to, that I spoke to, I do know a lot of those. And so for, for us now, it's just whoever we bring onto the team, knowing that they care enough about that mission so that they pass it forward. And it's within every single person that they hire and they hire and so on. Um, but the stories are all online, right? We are recording their stories. We're putting them online. We're making them available and accessible to all of our clients to take a look at. But so scale for us is more about um, the team that we build, the people that we hire. And then at the end of the day, it's also about how big do you want to scale? Not every business has to be a unicorn, right? You can create a business that is personable and has a great community and doesn't have to be this, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation. And so for me, when I think of scale, I think of scale on a certain level and what kind of a business I want to create. And then again, like I do it through the team that I bring on is just making sure that they feed into that same mission. Isn't that um, antithetical to what we read and what we hear and all of the startup journals and online and everybody's wants the 250 or 500 million dollar exit in a few years. I think people are going to stop wanting that because it doesn't lead to actual happiness. I think it just leads to what people think is going to be happiness. Are they going to stop wanting it because it's not realistic? Not that many companies can achieve it? Not that, that, so I believe not that this is going to go into a really long conversation and I can, um, I, I think that not every company can achieve it. And, mm -hmm. and for one reason or the other, it's because of execution or the team that you put together, but it's, there isn't space for every single company to become a unicorn, right? I think we need to start thinking about not, people don't even think about creating profitable businesses. Like I can be proud to say that I'm a profitable business today. I'm not losing money. I'm not dependent on somebody else's money to constantly have to raise to you know, survive as a, as a company. And I think we forget when people are starting businesses, the first thing they say is, how do I go raise money? Not or how what, do I actually start a viable and, and business. And what's the exit. And what's the yeah. exactly. I, I do think it's, it's an important thing to stop and think about because startup culture, um, startup businesses have become 
uh, a very specific animal today. Uh, I interview a lot of founders and CEOs on my show, and there's a group of people who will um, create a startup instead of going to business school. It's sort of like a new thing that you do. You do a startup, you create something, it's great, you sell it, you move on, you're a serial entrepreneur, there's a cycle that you go through, there's a you know 14 page pitch deck online that you can download and make. And very similar to social media, very similar to marketing, I think people get into a groove and they think this is the way that you do it because this is the way that you do it. And I do think that it's important to have those counterpoints and say, you don't necessarily have to do it that way. Yeah, and, and we should start thinking about creating more valuable businesses as opposed to the next, you know, music app that's going to do something, you know, don't create a feature business, right? Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people forget that, you know, these are just features that could be a part of another company or another app. Instead of thinking about that, create something that's really valuable, right? So we started off as an online ordering platform for food trucks, and then we slowly moved into working with restaurants and, you know, I didn't want to be in another online ordering platform. You know, what makes me different than Delivery.com or Seamless or Grubhub? And I could go down a list. There's Caviar. There's DoorDash. There's, I can keep going. There's Uber Eats, you know, and there's hundreds of them. But what value do each of those bring? You know, the only reason you go to one towards the other is because who's giving me the $5 off? And that's because we're all inherently cheap and we want to save some money, you know, at the end of the day. Um, what value do you really drive? And so that's what I thought about when I pivoted. What value am I bringing to these vendors? Am I just another online ordering platform that's going to spend a shit ton of money, sorry for my language, that's going to spend so much money on just trying to market to each and every one of you, whereas I can go to an enterprise where it's going to drive more of a value, more, more to their bottom line, and, and it's more empowering because these corporations want to make a difference. With, they have CSR programs where it's important for them to think about you know, what do we bring into our office? And so that's what we did is think about your bottom line. And so when I think of scale, I think about a lot of things and a lot of different perspectives. So hopefully everyone in this room thinks about value and purpose behind when they're starting their businesses or even the current businesses that they work on today. So Crystal, you've already scaled quite a bit. You went from one to 50. Where do you see going from 50 to 100? For a bento box? Oh, well, 50 was in 2013. We're at 2000 now. So, um, but, oh, you mean, oh, Employees, you mean people. people. I thought you meant restaurants. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah. There's a lot of, there was a lot of points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, too. <laughs> talking about restaurants. Um, there was a lot of points that were said that I want to comment on, them too. Um, so for us, um, where do I start? As we grow the company, the way that um, really the mission is to be the technology that powers all the touch points between the restaurant and the guest. And so that starts out uh, as websites and you know, expands into you know, email, SMS, and you know, what's next, Alexa. Like what are the different ways that a what are the different channels that a restaurant can actually own that we can help them um, power? So uh, that, and have these be a connected suite of tools that all talk to each other because restaurants aren't technologists and they're not going to use like five different platforms. Um, and as we think about like how that's going to happen, um, when there was uh, the comment about, you know, startups and raising money. And I think a, a big or important part thing that, also, I think entrepreneurs need to take responsibility for is that 
when you take venture money, you're signing up for a certain expectation and you're, you're signing up for the company to grow in a certain way and you need to make sure that you choose your investors really wisely. Um, uh, the investors that we've chosen are, are really supportive in terms of how and how quickly we choose to grow. One of our investors also has a joke. They're like, we don't care about the unicorns. We care about the centaurs, you know? And those are also like really great companies. They're not a billion dollars, but they're, you know, they're also strong um, companies. Uh, you know, it's like $100 million is not good anymore, <laughs> you know? So that was part one of the General Assembly Tech and Food Panel recorded earlier this year in New York City. If you like the conversation and want to hear the rest of it, tune in next week to Tech Bytes at 11 a.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. Tech Bytes is hosted and produced by me, Jennifer Leutzi. It is engineered by David Tadashore. Our theme song, Nomad CPU, is by DJ Uptown Nico. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.